This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, they're figuring out who the uh, person of the year is, the man of the year. They don't know yet, right? Uh, Elon Musk, you know who it really should be? Remember, it doesn't have to be a positive person. It doesn't have to be a role model. It doesn't have to be a good person. Uh, the first man of the year, I think, was uh, Charles Lindbergh. He flew across the ocean. That was a good thing. And he was the first guy, what was that, 1920-something? Anyway, great job by uh, Charles Lindbergh, and he was acknowledged as the man of the year because whatever, it was a slow news week and they didn't have anything else to write about and somebody had the bright idea. Hey, um, I do remember this. It happened all the way back in May, uh, May of 1927. That was the year. And, you know, seven months ago, we can't do that story. It's seven months old. But what if we make it the big story of the year? Aha. So they didn't have to work as hard on the holiday break. And uh, Man of the Year was born. And shortly thereafter, they established uh, that it did not have to be a good person. It could be uh, Adolf Hitler was the man of the year. It wasn't uh, somebody who contributed to humanity. It could be somebody who just changed history or had a big impact on the world, positive or negative. Uh, let's see who else got it. Uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, Khomeini, whatever, back during the Iran hostage crisis, I think they gave it to him. I remember in 2001, now thank God they gave it to Rudy Giuliani. He, he, uh, you know, let's face it, it became something, it was coveted. People want, you know, it was like a, an award for a job well done. And nobody did a better job than Rudy Giuliani, 9-11 in the aftermath. And he was the person of the year for 2001. They almost gave it to Bin Laden. Anyway, what am I saying? This year, I think they should give it to, are you ready? The time person of the year should be Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle, and she deserves it. She definitely deserves it for something. She has had a huge negative impact on culture. She has taken uh, the victimization to made it a high art, one that is, well, it's not so high anymore. Everybody is emulating it. Everybody wants to be a victim. And there she is, married to a prince, rich and famous, yet somehow she's a victim because the queen looked at her funny. Uh, because, uh, you know, some aunt, uh, treated her, you know, Megan thought she was a snob. And then they turned this around. She's fighting systemic racism. Oh, yes, systemic racism. Well, uh, yeah, she deserves it in a weird way because becoming a victim and then dining out on it, exploiting it, uh, monetizing it, and that's what she's done. Ooh, uh, you heard about the new documentary about her and uh, that she's in, although she's already claiming victimhood about that. It's her own documentary, but she's saying, well, the director, it really, you know, they did it. So I feel marginalized. My voice was not heard. Uh, she'd be great as the person of the year her and, and for hypocrisy as well. Let's face it. Hypocrisy is really, really in. It's the way people do things. Um, 
Uh, hypocrisy, hypocrisy, hypocrisy. Her husband, who was known to wear swastikas just for fun, you know, he wore a German uniform with the SS uh, logo and the Nazi party emblem on his sleeve. And uh, just for fun, he did that as an adult. Then he goes to overseas. He goes to Pakistan and goes around calling Pakistanis Pakis, P-A-K-I, which is a really horrible thing to say. The word, uh, it's almost like the N-word over there in the Middle East. It's not, it doesn't carry with it quite that connotation here. I mean, most people haven't even heard it before. I can say it, all right? I don't like it, but we see William using it on tape. And um, and now he's he wrote this silly woke memoir calling everybody else a racist. How many times are you on the front page of a newspaper where they call you a racist? Well, at least twice for Harry. At least twice. And then the evidence is pretty damn strong. Yeah, the Nazi, uh, wearing a Nazi uniform and calling everybody uh, the P word, as they would say in Pakistan. That's uh, that's pretty strong evidence. I wonder if that, by the way, had anything to do with this. Uh, I mean, look, Megan's a beautiful girl. But I would imagine that as the prince, he had access to a lot of beautiful girls. Did Was this, was the racial component? Part of the motivating factor? Who the hell knows? It doesn't really matter. Uh, but if you look at these headlines, they they really did label him as a racist, and it was a big problem for the palace. How do you fix that? Is it possible that he did it for political reasons as well as, you know, the all the good natural stuff? Uh, who cares? But she should be uh, person of the year. All right, the other thing is this, uh, for hypocrite of the year, um, well... Everybody in the mainstream media, certainly, certainly. Oh, and Barack Obama, Barack Obama. Now I'll get into the Twitter stuff and Kanye in a moment. But first, who knows who James Baldwin is? James Baldwin. Name ring a bell. James Baldwin was a writer uh, born in Harlem. He wrote about race. He wrote about politics. And I never really gave him all that much consideration. I don't think I've ever read a James Baldwin book. I'm sure he was, well, I don't know what he was actually at this point. But he wrote an op-ed for the New York Times. It's a classic. It's a, people talk about this in journalism school. I wonder why, by the way, because I'm going to read it to you right now. This is James Baldwin. And the name of this famous piece, as published by the New York Times in 1967, you ready? His words, not mine. Negroes are anti-Semitic because they're anti-white. That's one hell of a statement. Wow. And James Baldwin, by the way, was a person of color, was black himself. You ready for this? When we were growing up in Harlem, our demoralizing series of landlords were Jewish, and we hated them. We hated them because they were terrible landlords and did not take care of the building. A coat of paint, a broken window, a stopped sink, a stopped toilet, a sagging floor, a broken ceiling, a dangerous stairwell, the question of garbage disposal, the question of heat and cold, of roaches and rats, all the questions of life and death for the poor, and especially for those with children, we had to cope with all these as best we could. Our parents were lashed to futureless jobs in order to pay the outrageous rent. We knew that the landlord treated us this way only because we were colored, and he knew that we could not move out. The grocer was a Jew, and being in debt to him was very much like being in debt to the company store. The butcher was a Jew, and yes, we certainly paid more for bad. It goes on like this, everybody. 
it goes on like this. He's angry at Jews. Now, it looks like he's also angry at white people, but boy, he reserves a special hatred for the Jews. His name is James Baldwin, and of course, like a lot of very questionable figures in American history, they're elevated because, well, they're people of color and they're anti-Semitic. Yes, I think James Baldwin was elevated because of this, what I think is rank anti-Semitism. Oh, no, if you see later on in his career, he said, no, shut up. He wrote this on the on the New York Times. Now, what difference does it make, Greg? That's what 1967. Who cares? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Right now, they're trying to cancel our beloved Donald Trump because Kanye West showed up at Mar-a-Lago. Kanye West. Kanye West. Probably the most popular performer, if you actually edit up, since Elvis, Right. He's not known for weighing in on uh, important issues. Actually, he's kind of known for being a maniac. He's either a maniac uh, or in desperate mental. Well, he has obvious issues. I shouldn't say maniac. That's too pejorative. He's obviously mentally impaired and needs help. Or he's an agent provocateur and he's doing all this for effect and all of this to hurt Trump. I think it's a little bit of both. All right. So Kanye West. He's known as a performer more than anything, up until about 10 seconds ago. James Baldwin, this is what his career was based on. Stuff like this, trash and garbage like this. Who do you think owes the Jewish community an apology today? Is it Donald Trump or Barack Obama? When the African American Museum opened in 2016, the very first words out of Barack Obama's mouth. Are you ready for this? You'll hear the applause. You'll hear... And then you'll hear Barack Obama with his speech opening up the African-American Museum on the Mall in Washington, D.C. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Thank you. James Baldwin once wrote, For while the tale of how we suffer and how we are delighted and how we may triumph is never new, it always must be heard. For while the tale of how we suffer and how we are delighted and how we may triumph is never new, It always must be heard. Today, as so many generations have before, we gather on our national mall. All right, you get that? James Baldwin, the first words out of his mouth at the African American Museum grand opening. James Baldwin. Now I'll go back to his essay. James Baldwin, who was famous when he wrote these words, by the way. The Jew's suffering is recognized as part of the moral history of the world, and the Jew is recognized as a contributor to the world's history. This is not true for blacks. Jewish history, whether or not one can say it is honored, is certainly known. The black history has been blasted, maligned, and despised. The Jew is a white man, and when white men rise up against oppression, they are heroes. When black men rise, they have reverted to their native savagery. The uprising in the Warsaw Ghetto was not described as a riot, 
nor were the participants maligned as hoodlums. The boys and girls in Watts and Harlem are thoroughly aware of this, and it certainly contributes to their attitude toward Jews. You see, all this, uh, the anti-Semitism makes sense, according to James Baldwin. You know, Barack Obama, I think you should be canceled. I think I think we should close your not-yet-open library. I think we should take all the money from you. You should not be invited anywhere to speak until you until you account for your feelings of affection for this proud anti-Semite. He made his entire career. It was right there in plain sight. And that's why it's not a problem, by the way, because anti-Semitism is so interwoven into the Democrat Party. It's who they are. Barack Obama can talk like this, can cite this fool. Oh, he wrote... He wrote some very shut up. What about uh, Donald Trump? Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. You think Kanye West? Let's see. I'm actually going to go back and figure out and find out how many people actually wrote about that DEFCON tweet. Oh, by the way, which he apologized for, Kanye West, which goes to the, I think this might have been a kind of a double agent kind of routine Hey, if a little jerk like Vinman can walk out of his cubicle and initiate the impeachment of the president of the United States with all kinds of coordination and pre-planning, this Kanye West thing doesn't seem on the up and up at all. Uh, but anyway, if you want to know who the anti-Semite was in recent American history, your answer is Barack Obama. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's uh, it's really breathtaking, the the hypocrisy and that Barack Obama. Gosh, I was conned by that guy. I tell you what, a lot of us were, of course. That big smile and talking about race in a really kind of honest and direct way. I uh, shouldn't have been conned. Shouldn't have cut him all those breaks. I knew he had no business being president. He got there in two thousand. When did he become a senator? Two thousand five. He runs for the the presidency starting in two thousand seven. The vetting and the vetting of him. Oh, boy. God help you if you did any vetting of him during that campaign. That was racist. That was racist. No, you know what's racist? I think um, Barack Obama is. Um, Certainly based on his affection for this. uh, What the hell is his name again? Baldwin. Um, Let me think here. Let me do this. Uh. For it is not here and not now that the Jew is being slaughtered and he is never despised here as the Negro is because he is an American. The Jewish travai occurred across the sea and America recused him from the house of bondage. But America is the house of bondage for the Negro and no country can rescue him. What happens to the Negro here happens to him because he is American. Uh, some of this is gibberish. Uh, let's see here. It leaves him. Finally... Finally, what the American Negro interprets the Jew as saying is that one must take the historical, the impersonal point of view concerning one's life and concerning the lives of one's kinsmen and children. We suffered too, one is told, but we came through, and so will you in time. Um, hmm. A genuinely candid confrontation between American Negroes and American Jews would certainly prove of inestimable value 
but the aspirations of the country are wretchedly middle class, and the middle class can never afford candor. Hmm. Hmm. If one blames the Jew for not having been ennobled by oppression, one is not indicting the single figure of the Jew, but the entire human race. And one is also making a breathtaking claim for oneself. I know that my own oppression did not ennoble me, not even when I thought of myself as a practicing Christian. I guess he became something else. I also know that if today I refuse to hate Jews or anybody else, it is because I know how it feels to be hated. I learned this from Christians, and I cease to practice what the Christians practice. Um, I just think this is outside the mainstream, don't you? It does somewhat mitigate as you go on, but I don't think in today, certainly in today's culture, uh, you can't get away with Negroes are anti-Semitic because they're anti-white. When we were growing up in Harlem, our demoralizing series of landlords were Jewish and we hated them. I'm sure Kanye had some explanation after that, you know, after the crazy stuff he said. But he was speaking, if you take his comments out of context, well, I think I've got all the context I need on James Bolton and also on Barack Obama. One more time. Thank you. James Baldwin once wrote, for while the tale of how we suffer and how we are delighted and how we may triumph is never new, it always must be heard. All right, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. He also wrote James Baldwin, the army may or may not be controlled by Jews. I don't know, and I don't care. I know that when I worked for the army, I hated all my bosses because of the way they treated me. I don't know if the post office is Jewish, but I would certainly dread working for it again. Uh, The root of anti-Semitism among Negroes is, ironically, the relationship of colored people all over the globe. This is the hero of Barack Obama. Give me a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now, by the way, uh, James Baldwin uh, helped us understand how how common, unfortunately, well, according to him, how common anti-Semitism at least was in the black community. Uh, I don't think it is as common now, but I do know this. Black Lives Matter, they unleashed a wave of anti-Semitism. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people on the far left, black, white, red, brown, whatever, harbor anti-Semitic views. And I think that goes right up to uh, former President uh, Obama. 
Now, let's talk a little bit about former President Trump. Oh, my gosh, how could he say something that is not nearly as uh, crazy as uh, you might think at first glance, or at least what the mainstream media has told you about what President Trump said. So, Friday night, it is, for me, triple, double, uh, quadruple confirmed that Twitter and the FBI helped Joe Biden cheat to win in the 2020 election. Yeah, it's clear as day. It really is. And the Hunter Biden laptop, we all know, was legitimate. Absolutely, it existed. The guy sent it to the FBI. The FBI did not move on it. Then he sent it to Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani said, this is a big deal. Uh, shared it with the Wall Street Journal. They didn't want to publish it. Finally, the New York Post, God bless them, the oldest newspaper in the country, said, yep, this checks out. We're publishing. And they did. What happened to the oldest newspaper in the country? They were censored. They were banned from Twitter. Not only that, you and me, regular people, if we're on Twitter, uh, we could not send this story. Even on Facebook, by the way, we could not share this story. Citizens could not share this story. In the run-up to a presidential election, they decided, the government essentially, with a big assist from big tech, or big tech decided with a big assist from the federal government, however way you want to look at it, that we could not handle that news, or it would hurt their preferred candidate, Joe Biden, and it would have. And this, had it been a story that one could share and talk about and read about and was picked up by the, I mean, not only did Twitter kind of uh, uh, reduce this story on their own platform, they discouraged other media from covering it or talking about it or promoting it. You think the New York Times wanted to run the risk? Well, they wouldn't have done it anyway. But a lot of other newspapers out there said, well, we don't want to be banned off of social media. We don't want to be canceled. <laughs> I mean, so they cheated. Now, Donald Trump, they did. That's cheating. That is cheating. And one of the worst aspects, most obvious aspects to me, is suspending the Twitter account of Kaylee McEnany. Remember, she was the White House press secretary. Absolutely brilliant in that job, by the way. Happens to be quite beautiful and intelligent. Harvard Law School graduate. She is uh, really, really good at her job. And she was the chief spokesperson for the Trump administration. And she was not allowed to speak about the laptop. They suspended her account. I wonder what would have happened if they suspended the account of that, um, let's see, black gay immigrant woman, Corrine Jean-Pierre. You know she's black and she's gay and she's an immigrant and she's a woman, right? That means she's kind of untouchable. No one's going to mess with her Twitter account for any reason whatsoever. A black gay immigrant woman. Donald Trump hates everything that I am. A black gay immigrant woman. Green Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, actually believes this, has said this, has said it from the White House podium. Of course, what did I do when I heard that? I showed about 500 pictures of Donald Trump with various black, gay, immigrant people, women, men, you name it, going not back to the campaign, going back to 1973. Just uh, look, whatever they're saying about Trump, they're always wrong, always wrong, and including this thing. So, look, it was all right. Do I want to give that analogy again? I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. I'll come back to the time where I was a victim, where somebody cheated against me. And um, I was the only one who knew how it felt. Everybody told me not to do anything about it. And I didn't. And I regret it to this day. More on that later. But Donald Trump wrote this. Um, so with the widespread revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception 
in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. He actually raises a very good point. Oh, my God, how could you say that? He wants to cancel the Constitution. No. No, he does not. And, oh, by the way, if you want to talk about canceling the Constitution, uh, weren't we locked down for two years? Weren't we all locked down, right? Weren't people arrested for going to the gym, for not wearing a mask? Where's any of that crap in the Constitution, hmm? Everybody signed up for it, especially the liberals. Couldn't be more righteous than wearing a mask and staying inside, maybe taking up alcohol or fentanyl or something. Become a slave. Slave. But going back to the Constitution and Trump and the election. If you have it, that there is clear and... Con- I mean, they cheated. I know it. You know it. And I think it's totally legitimate to throw out an idea. So what are we going to do with this information? Are we going to wait two years? Now that we know that they cheated, maybe we should have an election right now. Maybe, maybe do you guys agree I won this thing? So maybe, I mean, what do we do? Now, there are no mechanisms in the Constitution for holding a new election. It's not, it's not outlaw. No, you got to, right? It's not there. Yet we have, and I don't think this is seriously going to happen, but it's interesting. When they talk about suspending the Constitution, it's lovely. Who remembers Judge Ludig? Hey, do me a favor. Find Judge Ludig the day he said Donald Trump and his supporters represent a clear and present danger to our democracy. Took him about three minutes to say that, but he said that. And he was praised. Oh my gosh, he's so oh we have it? Okay, yeah, here he is. This is Judge Ludig. This is a he's a Republican, by the way. And he's just a guy. He's an ex judge. If you look at him, he looks terrible. And I think he, because he had real a real bad case of Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, he hates Trump even more than the Bushes who refused to make him um, a justice on the Supreme Court. I have a feeling he had a vetting problem, but anyway, here's Judge Ludig uh, at the January 6th hearing a few months back. Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. Wow. Wow. So you and me, we're a clear and present danger to American democracy. If you support President Trump, as I do, we're a clear and present danger. Now, what does that mean? It sounds pretty stirring, right? I mean, but what does it mean? Is it? A, it's a term of art. Uh, but no, it has legal ramifications. And it was uh, cited a couple of times in Supreme Court decisions. Basically, when something is a clear and present danger to American democracy, They can scale back the Constitution. They could cancel portions of the Constitution, especially the First Amendment. So this idea has been floated before, but this is not this in in a way that would curtail popular will or popular sentiment. 
Donald Trump is not talking about that. In fact, I think the popular, popular, population is on his side. All right, uh, let's see here. Joyce, Joyce in Rockland, hi. Hi, Greg. Oh, you know, Greg, I hope you'll be a little patient because I'm fuming mad. What? This man, President Trump, has put up with this crap for seven years, still was able to run this country better than it's ever been run, okay? And he has a calling. He had a calling. He didn't need to do this. When he was a Democrat and was donating all kinds of money, they didn't have a problem with his personality then, did they? Okay? I feel like there's got to be some kind of penalty. There's got to be some kind of, in other words, there's got to be a Second Amendment, another amendment drawn up to the Constitution that if you commit fraud, and in this case, fraud and, I believe, treason, you are persona non grata. Either you go, go to jail, you're disbarred, or persona non grata from your, your position, or both. Okay? I'm tired of them not getting any, any, well, I can't think of the word. <laughs> any what? Any what? No, I need you to find that word. Any what? Any accountability. All right. So let me ask you something. Hypothetically, and I have actually thought about this. I've struggled with it a little bit. Let's pretend for a moment that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez runs for president. All right? Or worse, uh, Elon Omar. All right? If Elon Omar were to run for president, and let's say she won. All right? Let's say she won. Let's say it was 2016 and somehow she won. I, I try, I'm trying to think about what I would do when somebody like that who denies the severity of uh, September 11, 2001, who seems anti-American to the core, quite frankly, who doesn't respect or share our values, who's an anti-Semite. I might see them as a clear and present danger to America. And I just I got to be straight with you. I don't know. I wonder if I would be willing to bend the rules to stop her. How do you feel about that, Joyce? Well, that's why we have to have maybe a Second Amendment to the Constitution. No, wait a second. Wait a second. What if she – we already have a Second Amendment to the Constitution. Uh, I think we need a 20-something amendment you're getting at. But, Joyce, just put yourself – imagine that. What would you do if uh, if Elon Omar eh, – let's stick to AOC. If AOC became president of the United States, would you be following her around with a would – you, wouldn't you love it if they dispatched a couple of prosecutors to watch her every move in the moment she did anything wrong – we drew her up on impeachment charges, huh? Or yeah. that we, hmm? I would love it. I know, I you would love it. I know, but street. that's what the, uh, see, that's what the other side is doing. And I'm accusing the other side of being, well, they're violating the Constitution, they're cheating, and I don't want to be like them. I don't, but I don't know how to square that. Anyway, Joyce, uh, anything else going on? Well, Greg, what can we do? When are they going to investigate? Biden shouldn't be the president. Well, they're going to investigate. They're going to investigate. And by the way, I should address this. I heard that, look, I'm not a fan of Kevin McCarthy. He's a career politician. Uh, he waffled uh, right away, buckled after January 6th. He was always trying to trip up Trump in big ways and in small, mostly small ways, though. I don't like him, but I heard a rumor. That right now, what they have in the works is a guy named Fred Upton, an outgoing congressman from Michigan, a Republican, a rhino, who voted for impeachment. The Democrats and some rhino Republicans may, are they're scheming right now to make this guy the speaker. And it just might work. 
So Kevin McCarthy has committed to these investigations. He's committed to making Jim Jordan the, uh, what, the chair of the Judiciary Committee. I first heard this on Levin Friday night, by the way, that uh, Mark, what the, Upton, Fred Upton, he's on my Twitter right now. He looks like, he looks like one of those guys from a Sears catalog. <laughs> he's like modeling with a jacket thrown over his shoulder. It's the weirdest pose. I've seen people outdoors like that, but not inside for an official photograph in front of a flag. So the investigations that you want, they're going to happen, but I think we got to probably accept and maybe, yes, even rally around Kevin McCarthy because we need these investigations and Fred Upton or some other rhino won't, won't bring it home. All right, Joyce, I want you to relax, though. Don't get too worked up, all right? Everything's beautiful. It's going to be okay. How old are you? Hello. May I, uh, can I ask you how old are you? I'm 78 years old. So, I mean, listen, let's not get too worked up. I mean, you know, isn't life beautiful? I mean, uh, there's plenty. I have a feeling that you're getting... You're getting too worked up about politics. I, I've been there. I have been there. Uh, and I don't want you to uh, succumb. No? President Trump. What? Okay, I love him. And he should be the president right now. They have to do something, and they better do it quick. All right, relax, relax. Wait, 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 wait. They better do it quick. What do you have in mind? I mean, come on. All right, listen. I tell you what. He's not as aggravated as you are. He's not. I've talked to him. He's playing golf. He's having a few laughs. He's, uh, you know, look, he's irate that they did this, and so am I. But uh, let's, uh, I don't I know. I have withdrawal syndrome right now. I look forward to seeing him every Saturday night, and it works me up where I have hope for this country. All right, all right. I did my best to talk you, talk you off the ledge. But, hey, Joyce, I appreciate the passion. I know where you're coming from, absolutely. And I think he does deserve to be back, and I think he's coming back. Uh, thank you very much. What else? Do we have time for one more? Sure. Sandra in New Jersey. Hi. Hey, Greg. I think Joyce is precious. I love what she said. But, you know, I wanted to ask you your opinion. Um, this morning um, on the radio, a rabbi spoke about Donald Trump saying he wishes he would address something about what happened because a lot of people of the Jewish faith are not so happy. So I wanted to know what you think. You a think lot of people of the Jewish faith are not so happy because Kanye West, because of the coffee with Kanye West. I already, we are, you know, you're playing their game. You're playing their game. You're playing that, that whole Charlottesville game. He did not denounce white supremacy when he totally did. You know, if somebody comes up to me and says, you must denounce this, you must denounce that, I don't have to do anything for anybody. I already know how I feel. I know, like, that's a false, phony game that the left plays. And then they're going to make every Republican denounce. I want to see every Democrat guest denounce Barack Obama for his association and his love of anti-Semite James Baldwin. All right, the writer. Don't you realize you're, they're playing a, sim, a silly game, including that rabbi you were listening to on our radio? What's his name? I don't know. He's falling for it. He's just falling for it. That's all. Okay. Not that he's playing a okay. game. He's falling for this mainstream media junk. Don't you do it either. Sandra, we love you, and I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. 
visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, boy. I don't know if I've ever seen anything so sad and so beautiful. Oh, my goodness gracious. I was just reading the New York Post, and, uh, oh, goodness gracious, this is really tough. From July 28th of 2020, it's the front page. It just popped up. If you read the post online, sometimes they have these older headlines. And uh, it's of the one-year-old boy, uh, Davel Gardner. Davel Gardner, one, killed by gunfire in Brooklyn, was laid to rest yesterday as a city grappled with a surge of shootings. And it was a front page of the New York Post. And the picture of this beautiful, like, isn't that just the most heinous thing? You know, you never see the numeral one next to a, a name. You know, uh, you, you know, John Smith, 57, of Brooklyn. You know, <laughs> Sally Jane, 29 of Queens, but Devel Gardner, one, killed by gunfire, the one, the numeral one. And I guess one of the reasons why this is getting me so much, uh, the coffin, the coffin, you know what it has on the coffin? It has Coco Melon, picture of Coco Melon. Coco Melon is a really popular kids' cartoon. I only know it because my my one-year-old daughter and my two-year-old daughter love it so much, Coco Melon. And they're right on the, they painted it on the coffin as they, and the headline also says, photo that should shame every politician in the city. Well, the politicians obviously are the politicians and they fail us. But uh, what about, what about, you know, what about men and women? What about, what about us? What about people? What the hell? Gang, you know how he was shot? He was in a stroller in the backyard at a barbecue. Remember this case? And two gangs were having a fight. I'm sure it was a very worthy issue of somebody insulted somebody, right? So they take out guns. And this kid, a one-year-old, but we have kind of become numb to it. Happens all the time. But Coco Melon, Coco Melon. I didn't even know what the kids, what they were talking about the first time I heard Coco Melon. It sounded like a food or something like that, but it's a, it's like this kid's cartoon, and they have big heads, and they're, um, I think food does have something to do with it, but it's just beautiful. Um, did Eric Adams find his way home from uh, uh, Qatar yet, or is he waiting for the final game? Huh. Doesn't deserve it. Does not deserve it. Has no idea, no clue, and I don't think he gives a damn. I don't think he gives a damn. What does he like? He likes those suits. He likes uh, living rent-free in a mansion. He likes the entourage. He likes the nightlife. In in, in some ways, he is uh, like Obama, just in it for the trappings, just in it for that stuff. Remember, there was a there's a reason why it's very hard for a white person to become mayor, right? Because it's that's just. It's not it's it's not cool. It's not representative. It's not diverse enough. So what does Eric Adams bring to the table? What is he going to do with this status, with this power? You got it. 
You know why you got it. Now, what are you going to do with it? Nothing, because he doesn't know how. And I don't think he cares. He doesn't care. Too many people don't care. Too many people have just grown accustomed to living with this. Uh, You know who saved lives like this? Well, my father, Ray Kelly, Mike Bloomberg, and Rudy Giuliani, who I'm honored to uh, be hosting tonight on the Newsmax show. He'll be with us in a little bit. All right. Thanks, everybody. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How dare they? How dare they? How dare they? And God bless the New York Post and uh, what's her name? Emma Joe Morris, all the people who broke that laptop story, and Rudy Giuliani, who brought the laptop to the world, and then Big Tech said no. No, 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 no. They said no. They lied. They cheated. They did all kinds of horrible things, and they got away with it. They got away with it, at least so far. Um, then again, maybe they're still getting away with it because no one is really running with this story. The New York Times, the Washington Post, this is uh, earth-shattering news. I, I felt like I was watching totalitarian state TV yesterday, going around the dial and seeing George Stephanopoulos and uh, what's the other guy's name, uh, Chuck Todd and the rest, uh, Jake Tapper, the meanest, maddest, uh, jerkiest guy on television, uh, pretend that this didn't happen. Pretend this didn't happen and also pretend that Donald Trump, Donald Trump is the anti-Semite. Yeah, right. (laughs) All right. More on that in a second. The other thing is, and I'm sorry, I have not mentioned their names because, uh, but I'm about to abandon that policy. Here's why. Or am I? When I was in night, when I was in junior high school, no high school, a junior in high school, I was sitting on a couch and, uh, on comes Tom Brokaw with a news break. Actually, no, it wasn't Tom Brokaw. It was Chuck Scarborough, actually, who was filling in for Tom Brokaw. Yes, it was Chuck Scarborough. Great guy, by the way. Uh, Chuck Scarborough comes on the news and says, breaking news, Gary Hart is believed to be having an affair with a woman named Donna Rice. Remember that thing? And I just remember... I was kind of stunned. I was kind of stunned that it was on the news. I mean, I'm a junior in high school at this point. I kind of know a little bit about the world. I kind of know that JFK was having orgies in the pool with children. By children, I mean, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old girls, very young. And a lot of other things that happened in life. And here we were talking about Gary Hart hooking up with Donna Rice, an adult woman. Consensual, I yes, no one said it was not consensual. And it was breaking news. Interrupt my show to uh, to tell me this. It's not Chuck Scarborough's fault. It was an industry wide decision. The Miami Herald broke the story, and then everybody went crazy. I kind of felt that way when I heard the the story about those two GMA anchors. And at this point, I will say their names: T.J. Holmes and Amy Rohrbach. I thought, okay, uh, they they hooked up at work. Unfortunately, it happens. I've heard of that happening. <laughs> I've heard of people with too much time on their hands who sit right next to each other for a long period of time. Might uh, if One's an attractive man and one's an attractive woman or who the hell knows what these days. It doesn't matter that sometimes hooking up happens, even when they're married. Now, that's regrettable. That's all these things. But it's not for me to judge. It's not for you to judge. It's uh, between... I think it's between those individuals, their spouses, and God. 
Yet, uh, here's why I decided to uh, talk about it. Not that it's a big deal. Everybody knows their names. It's not like I'm telling you for the first time. But it was their action, their activities afterward when they went back on TV and they were giggling about it. And then they were finding innuendo where there was no innuendo. Somebody would say, like, coming up after the break. And they were like, coming up? (laughs) All stupid kind of crap like that. So they were very much enjoying their notoriety. And that's an, I have an issue with that. I also have an issue with what crummy broadcasters they are. Hey, do me a favor. Get that TJ Holmes introducing, uh, you got it ready? Well, now am I, am I, am I picking on the guy? I don't know. I think he's going to be just fine, but they're no longer anchoring that show. Uh, and I also didn't like that they, the media kind of was like, yeah, you go good for you. Good for you. It's all good. It's all fun. No, there are children involved and there are families and there are broken families. And there's, you know, a shameless society. Maybe a little shame is good. Maybe a little shame is good. A little shame. Let me hear what a crummy broadcaster this guy is after all. Nothing I love more than Christmas music. There, it doesn't matter what kind of movie I'm I just gonna move. If I just hear those bells <laughs> ring, ding, dinging, <laughs> it changes my whole day. You both get the new stuff. I'm just going to have the advent calendar. Okay. All right. Wait, is that how you do a couple? Ring, ding, it's not ring, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> what is it? Ring, ding, ding, ding. I hear those sleigh bells. Ring, ding, 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 jingling. Jing, jing. Oh, that jing. one. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. Stop. <laughs> that was actually during a commercial break, and this is a video out there, and I've seen this before. I've seen it in this business many times. I don't like calling it a business, by the way, but I've seen people on air, and they sit there in that big chair, and uh, they're all in their beautiful clothes, and somehow they think everything they say is absolutely brilliant, fascinating, hilarious, it's the kind of reaction people have, I guess, when they're drunk or high, right? That's that the, uh, the, the that's the analogy. You know, when you're drunk or high, hopefully you don't remember recently, but somehow you think everything you do is better, elevated. <laughs> everything seems better until the next day, and everything. And that's kind of what it's like being on a set for some of these people. You know, they're elevated, literally. That the set is higher than everything else. There are all these people walking around. You're the center of attention. Therefore, you must be worthy of that attention. And everything you say must be interesting, must be clever. It's not. That's the thing. It's not. And most of them don't realize it. Most of them don't realize it. I call it boss laughter. You know, when the boss makes a joke and everyone's like, <laughs> whether it's funny or not. Now, sometimes the boss is genuinely funny. Um, but uh, some a lot of times not. Anyway. I don't like how they uh, celebrated it, how they were in actually being celebrated for it. And by the way, I hear the uh, I hear the situation with uh, each other was going on for a long time, way before August, way before August. Uh, I don't know. I feel a little ridiculous for having gone into all those details, but mm, maybe I should have stuck to my pledge. Uh, we do have more important things. Uh, they just threw an election. They just covered up the biggest story of the year, of the century. They unleashed the FBI to stop that story. The FBI stopped the story, just like just like Nixon wanted the FBI to do with the CIA. And the FBI refused. Remember that? It's called Watergate. It led to the impeachment of 
Actually, he was, was he impeached? They passed the, they were in the process of passing the articles of impeachment. And then they all came to him and said, look, uh, Dick, this is going to pass. You got to leave. You got to go. Otherwise, you're going to get convicted. You got three votes in the Senate at best. And Richard Nixon left office. Uh, this is, this is that kind of stuff. Then again, half the country will not, will just refuse to believe. I'll make these points on Twitter. Ah, what the hell do you know? Some woman said something about you in 2012. And then a lot of people won't even say things because everybody's got something in the past that they don't want, you know, that they don't want to hear about every day. Nobody really wants to attract too much attention. If you, if you say something interesting and bold and clever and also that Joe Biden doesn't want to hear, hey, just ask Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh D'Souza made a brilliant film. Uh, 2000 Mules was just one of them and a great movie, by the way. Documentary and uh, it should that that should be required viewing, not the sixteen nineteen project. But you remember that movie he made about Barack Obama's half brother? He actually interviewed Barack Obama's half brother, and this guy unloaded on Barack what a phony he is, what a jerk he is. And then imagine this: eighteen months later, Dinesh D'Souza starts having tax problems, <laughs> and every little every little transaction he ever made is starting to is gets federal scrutiny i can't even remember what they got him on it was the most ludicrous thing and did trump pardon him i hope he did um giving like more money than he was allowed to to a senate candidate he wrote a check for 2500 bucks when the limit was 2300 bucks something very very silly but that's what happens that's the fear when it happens to him it's like well maybe i should just keep my head down maybe i should just keep my mouth shut about this injustice Hey, by the way, that's not me. You know my next new project? I'm very excited about it. In addition to the book. Oh, the book. Oh, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to say something about the book every hour. All right. Number one, the book, Justice for All, How the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, comes out next month, getting closer and closer. And that's uh that's more and more exciting for me. Next month it uh debuts. And uh if you want to help me, if you want to help the cause. Pre-order it at your local bookstore. Just go in and say you want the new Greg Kelly book that comes out next month. Or you can go to Amazon. There are a lot of ways, and um, I think it's uh, something you're going to enjoy. And it's something that needed to be written. We needed to document. You know what? Ashley Babbitt needs to be memorialized. I'll read a little bit when I when we come back from the break. Uh, so we got to do that. What was the other? Oh, the other movie, the other project I'm going to start. I don't know the name of it, but I think I'm going to call it the Central Park Guilty. You've heard of the Central Park Five? Well, and the Exonerated Five, and they didn't do it, and Bill de Blasio wrote him a check for $25 million. They did it. They're guilty. And I'm going to prove it in a movie for the second time because it was always already established in court until the left got involved, until our sick, sad culture got involved. Hey, you know who thinks... <laughs> You know who's not really down with those guys uh, getting off the hook, getting paid $25 million? Uh, Trish Mealy, I think her name is, the Central Park jogger herself. What about the doctors involved who treated her, who brought her back to life? They would have testified that there's absolutely no way in hell that one person did this to this woman. But DNA evidence exonerated them all. No, it didn't. You don't know what you're talking about. That's not true. DNA evidence was actually 
they had evidence of a sixth attacker, a sixth attacker, and that was based on the semen that was uncovered. And they knew it did not belong to Corey Wise or Kevin Richardson or Raymond Santana, um, Yusef Salam. They knew it wasn't connected to those guys. So they called it like Defendant X out there somewhere, but he's unindicted because we don't have him. So the the jury knew about that, and they convicted him anyway. Anyway, I look forward to that. I think it's going to be great. You know, they tried to cancel very good people who kept this city safe for a long time, helped keep this city safe. And one of them is the legendary broadcaster and writer, Linda Fairstein. She started the sex crimes unit. It's amazing. All that she did for women, and in the matter of six hours, they take it all from her. Her books, her speaking deals, her speaking contracts, her book contracts. Her book is removed from libraries because the woke left uh, in, in, in a combination of total ignorance and arrogance and jumping on a bandwagon bought this nonsense about the Central Park Five. Who I will call the Central Park guilty from now on. John in Rutherford, New Jersey, yes. Hey, how you doing? Long time, first time, long time. Uh, what about, uh, like, talking about these two anchors, uh, the thing with Katie Couric and uh, Matt Lauer and uh, what's the other girl? Um, I don't think Katie Couric ever hooked up with Matt Lauer. Uh, but it was, uh, they had talked about uh, Matt and, uh, what's the name of that girl? She moved out to uh, California. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, but, uh, I mean, like, but, but, I mean, uh, that was never, it never became public information. It was never written about in the newspaper. This was in the Daily Mail, international news. It was, I mean, he never, it never became news. And quite frankly, I don't think it should have become news. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, you know, what everybody does in their personal time. I mean, you know, like Trump got screwed by the guy that was in the, the trailer uh, before the election uh, with the uh, comments that he made about women. I don't know. I, I I could tell you ten guys that have same conversations, and uh, you know we never get scrutinized like that. Well, those days may be coming to a close because uh, your iPhone is listening to everything you say. Um, it seems like everybody's ratting out everybody for for everything or, or nothing at all. More more pro, more likely. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, John, what's the final word? Because I got to go. No, that's it. Just uh, you have a great show. I listen to you every day. Every day I can possibly get. And, uh, you know, you take care. All right. If you run for mayor, I'm going to send you some money. (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. Uh, Thank you. I got all these fans. They're outside of New York City. You're in Rutherford. If only you were here, you could vote. But, uh, no, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I might just do it. I'm going to do some uh, work over the next couple of months and uh, test it out. But uh, thank you, John, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, this is official. Joe Biden is man of the year for Time Magazine. Joe Biden is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris people of the year. Uh, Are they? Oh, they're among the finalists. No, it hasn't been announced yet. They're among the finalists. Liz Cheney, Ron DeSantis, Elon Musk. No, wait, what the hell's going on here? I should Biden Harris named Time Magazine's 2020 person of the year. Okay, that's 2020. That's two years ago. Who the hell is it this time? Uh, Time Magazine announced Monday it was narrowing down its 2022 Person of the Year candidates in an attempt to create buzz 
around the 95-year-old award and their dying magazine, uh, with finalists including anti-Trump Republican Liz Cheney, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and Twitter CEO Elon Musk. Hey, what about my pick, Meghan Markle, uh, for helping to ruin, ruin uh, culture, so much of it. Oh, by the way, um, what a story, huh? What a story. I told you about that one-year-old kid. Uh, Devell, who was shot and killed outside of his, uh, in his backyard back in 2020. Now listen to this heartbreaking story. I mean, listen, how stupid are these, uh, these animals who are shooting each other in Brooklyn? You ready for this? Uh, let's see here. First of all, it was a heart-rending killing in the summer of overwhelming grief. Devell Gardner, a one-year-old boy sitting in his stroller last July during a nighttime barbecue in Brooklyn, was shot in the stomach after two gunmen hopped out of an SUV and opened fire on the gathering. Devell died at 2.30 the next morning. I'm reading from uh, Ashley Southall's write-up of this and became the city's youngest gun violence victim last year. Uh, so they got a guy. Uh, Ten months later, they did. Deshaun Austin, 25, who was accused of being the gunman, was among 18 young men facing murder, conspiracy, and weapons charges in a 63-count indictment. Mr. Austin and the other defendants are members of the Hoolies Gang and have been engaged in a bloody rivalry with the 900 Gang in Bedford-Stuyvesant. What could they, what could they be? What, what is the issue? Drugs? Drugs money? Turf? Respect. What is it? What are the, why do these gangs target each other like this? Why do they show? Uh, if, if only Barack Obama had taken all that status, all that money, all that prestige, all that power, and set up the Barack Obama Center for Nonviolence and Helping in Brooklyn, Harlem, the Bronx, I, 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 I'd quit and work there if they'd hire me. I mean, my gosh, what a great thing that would have been. The conflict between the Hoolies and the 900 gang, very well thought out, I'm sure, has left at least six people dead, 14 wounded, and many others fearing for their safety in the neighborhood over the past five years. In a major breakthrough, the police obtained the Hoolies group chat. The Hoolies. Quit the Hoolies if you're listening. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Paul Pelosi. Paul Pelosi was out with uh, Nancy last night wearing a hat after his ordeal. Very mysterious ordeal. Very mysterious indeed. All kinds of things are being held from us. The cops are, uh, I think they're protecting Nancy, protecting Paul. They're up to something. Uh, very weird. And uh, she only spoke about it on the eve of the election and said it was all January 6th. That Miguel Almaguer, he did a great story on this. Uh, he's an NBC reporter. He has not been seen since he raised these questions in his very thorough report um, about a month ago. Miguel Almaguer got suspended because of this. Cut 27, please. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or try to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. So the cops thought that was very weird, as anybody would. It's one of the reasons why the cops were so confusing Deliberately so. They wanted to obfuscate that, create, uh, oh, uh, just kind of, and hoping that we'd just all move on. One more from Miguel Almaguer. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. This guy gets suspended, but the guy who runs NBC, who coddled and protected Harvey Weinstein, did not miss a day of work. Cut 28. What we do know is he brutally attacked Mr. Pelosi and attempted to kill him. After spending several days in the ICU, Pelosi, who is recovering from a fractured skull and serious injuries to his arm and hand, is now home where Capitol Police remain on alert. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap when the 42-year-old broke into his home. Stop. That's the important thing right there. Very important. Obviously, investigators are reevaluating that. Why would Miguel Almaguer, why would he say that? Previously, they said they, they didn't know each other. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, our gullible, cooperative media move along. They just move along. They're in on it. They're in on it. They hate Trump so much. I don't know what happened to them. Anyway, just be glad that you're free. I'm glad that I'm free. How about you, Tony? Hello. Hey, Greg. Just a few silly questions. So did Paul Pelosi have a top hat on or did he have a cap on? <laughs> he had a uh, – actually, it's a good question. He had more of a fedora. <laughs> I would say it was like a fedora. I know because those were like protective like gear. Those were really big hats. So that was one question. I remember – I'm a bit older than you. I remember Donna Rice and Gary Hart in the papers. Like it was yesterday. We saw so much of it. And that was really the first time for the 80s that I will never forget either one of them, like their names and the newspaper. Do you remember the name of the uh, the boat that they were fooling around on? No, but it was in the papers. It was the it monkey was, business. It was the it was like so the name of the boat was monkey business. And I got to tell you, it looked to me like Gary Hart had a bit of a death wish the way he was canoodling with her in the photographs. Granted, pictures back then were. Not as um, kind of likely to slip into the public domain as they are now. You know, think about it. You had to take a picture. You had to go to the photo mat. Some stranger looked at the picture. You'd get it back four days later. And you couldn't just email it to somebody. Somebody had to see that picture. They were much more controlled. Anyway, Tony, what's the other issue? The last thing was... The first president I voted for was President Nixon, and I always felt like he was just treated like a criminal. And from today's perspective, he was like an angel. And we we didn't have all the communications we have now, but they really uh, strung him up um, pretty quickly. Um, and I read that the people who were doing it at the time from the other side, they were really – sort of making sure they got everything done, ASAP, however they had to do it. But nowadays, from what we're seeing, he was like an angel compared to what we're seeing now. Don't you agree? He was an innocent baby. Uh, yeah, for the most part, I agree. Uh, you know, He did some stuff that was probably impeachable. I mean, he was ordering uh, the break-in of this, that, and the other thing, the Brookings Institute. They fought, Did they fire? They broke into that. They broke into this. You know who the real culprit is? It's a long story. Look, Watergate is very complicated. But uh, this guy who goes on MSNBC and pretends he's the hero of Watergate, John Dean. Uh, John Dean is the villain of Watergate. Yeah, no, look, um, that stuff, a lot of that stuff does not happen anymore, actually. the They don't do it like that. They don't do that kind of campaign trickery that they, they don't do that anymore. They used to do it. They did it all the time. They called them Dick Tuck experiments or Dick Tuck stunts. 
but I like Nixon a lot, as you know. You know who I'm friends with? His grandson, Christopher I Nixon know. Cox. Christopher Nixon Cox, great guy. Uh, have him on my show from time to time. Anyway, Tony, that's interesting. I thought that you know, so Nixon was the first person you voted for. Who did he run against? Did you vote in 68 or 72? 72, I take it, right? 72, and, like, he was my first. Have a great day. Thanks you too. Today. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, 1988 was uh, was mine. Should I do anything else? Yeah, let's do Stephen and Yonkers. Yes, Stephen. Yeah, Greg, I want to ask you a question. Do you ever read Barack Obama's favorite book, The Song of Solomon? No. You should read it. It's like full of racial hostility. Who wrote it? They talk. Tony Morrison. Well, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. You know what book is full of racial hostility? His autobiography. <laughs> it's right there in his own book. You don't have to read somebody else's, but you can read it in his own words. He's got a. Pro- I'm going to show you some video today, tonight, actually, on the show. How Barack Obama wishes he could speak like the radical that he is, but he has to tone it down because he has to fool white people in Illinois to vote for him. It's actually pretty fascinating. And you you look up his own book. What's it called? The latest one that he got $80 million for, Promised Land. This is, I think, his eighth book about himself, his eighth memoir. And I can't, I mean, it was just became so apparent. I'm reading it. And they're like, you know, this this silly white man, this ignorant old white man, you know. Then it was always this this avuncular uh, black man who told me, uh, you know, and these people were suffering from white flight. I counted all the references to white people and black people. And the percentage was like 80% of the time when he brought up a white person, it was negative. And it was the reverse with black people. Very strange, very strange right there. Hiding in plain sight, as they say, what's the name of that book I should read? Song of Solomon by Tony Morrison. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I can't read any other books. I got to sell my own book right now. Oh, I said I was going to read a portion of it. I'll get to that later. I mean, some of it is, I got to tell you, it was worth it. Sweating it out in the basement, um, sometimes the entire weekend working on that book. It was hard, but it was uh, worth it. I am very proud of it. Again, Greg Kelly, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, available wherever books are sold on pre-order. Um, you can go to your bookstore and say you want it. You can go to uh, Amazon and say you want it. It'll be delivered on January 10th. Hey, you know whose book comes out the same day as mine? Um, uh, Prince Harry. <laughs> Prince, ha- Prince Harry. I don't know if that's good or bad for my book. What do you think? Brigitte. Bridget in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Yes, hi. Hi, Greg. How are you? Great. What's up? Um, I was just um, calling because this whole entire uh, fiasco, of course, with former President Trump and saying that he is now trying to get us to abandon the Constitution, which I did hear you address it at the beginning of the show, that, yes, they have amended um, the Constitution many times. And that's what he was referring to, because obviously everyone on both sides of the aisle are fully aware that there was an insane amount of fraud that happened in 2020. And it has continued. And in the meantime, uh, he was saying that he wasn't saying that of all people, he's followed the Constitution. In fact, he followed it for the entire of his presidency. But unfortunately, we're dealing with people um, I won't use the term that uh, Mark Levin uses, which is post-Constitution, but they don't believe in the Constitution at all. And I don't think that 
people realize what we're dealing with because I don't know if anyone remembers Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, that she made the statement in an interview several years ago where she said that if you ever pattern your constitution, don't pattern it after the United States. Now, this was a sitting <laughs> judge on the Supreme Court, and you can look it up. She made that statement. These people, and I will say this, do not love America. And that is the reason why they have a problem with make America great again when people use that term. Because yeah. they fully do not like America. And it's not about Trump. It's about what freedom stands for and America stands for freedom. And I have one more comment, Greg, if you would allow me. I think that we need to start looking at the fact. I know that everyone is saying rally around uh, McCarthy because basically it's like he's the, the great hope. Yeah. No, he's not. He's not. Hey, Bridget, because Bridget, I got to I got to step in at this point. Listen, I was with you last week, the week before. I said, why the hell not? I'm not a member of Congress. All right. It's complex. They got all these weirdo rules and traditions that have been around for a million years. I don't understand them. I don't want to understand them. I just want the investigations that we are counting on to happen. And if we screw around with this for much longer, uh, they could pull a massive trick on us and get some rhino like Fred Upton in there. I don't like Kevin McCarthy, career politician, seems to me like a lightweight, uh, not much of an intellect, uh, not good on the issues, uh, not eloquent. Nothing about him is impressive. And he caved after January 6th. All that stuff, I get it. But remember this, he's already committed to putting Jim Jordan as the chair of the Judiciary Committee. That's what I want to see. We're not going to have to worry about the speaker, all right? Just let... Just let these guys get the job done and do their work. And I believe that Kevin McCarthy is that guy. He's poised to do it. And if you listen to Levin, as I do at least once a week, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, enough already. Uh, people who understand this process more than I do, and I love Matt Gates, and I had him on, and I had some fun with this issue, and I thought it was interesting, but they're going to screw us. They're going to, they're going, we're going to be, what do you, what do you, hoist on our own petard? Whatever. We're going to stab ourselves if we keep this up. It's got to be Kevin, Bridget. Well, I will say this. I, I hear what you're saying, Greg, and I, I fully understand. You just want to get someone in there so that you can continue. But I will just make this one statement. I don't know if anyone saw the interview uh, with Maria Bartiromo, in which he stated yesterday on her show that he has so-called, he's going to make some deal to where he can remove the mandates for the military. Now, I am 150% for that. But I find it strange that he said that he's going to go against the president's agenda meeting Biden. Biden is not the type of person that's going to be willing to bend anyway unless he gets something in return. All right, listen, so, so what are you saying? He's not an absolutist? Look, he's a wheeler and dealer. That's what these guys do. You just heard, you know, that now you don't trust, you know, wait a second. He's going to have to give something in return for that. I don't know what it is, and I'm worried about what it is. I mean, look, I would, I, it, from time to time, there's got to be some compromise. I don't trust Biden. I don't like Biden. I don't like McCarthy. I don't trust him. But <laughs> people who know this process better than I do, and quite frankly, respectfully, Bridget, better than you, are warning me, warning me. That if this keeps up for much longer, it's going to blow up on our face. And believe it or not, we could get a rhino or even a Democrat, a Democrat as speaker. Could you believe that one?
So we've got to we got to cut the crap with this stuff. Yes, I know he's compromised. A lot of reasons to not like Kevin, but Fred Upton would be a million times worse. Fred Upton, look him up. He's on my Twitter. Guy wants to be a Sears Roebuck male model, and he voted for impeachment. He's retiring, but guess what? You don't have to be a member of the House to be it. All right, so Bridget, we gotta. If you said this to me three days ago, get on board. Give me a break. I, I'm, I'm true blue. I, we're getting too involved in their world. All right, we need we need to get it done, and I think you need to stand down on this one. Well, uh, Greg, I, I I'll agree to disagree with you, and, and I understand. Your well, point. Bridget, it's gonna it could blow up in our faces. You know, it ain't going to be Andy Biggs. It's not. It's not going to be Paul Gosar. It's not going to be one of these MAGA guys. It never will, unfortunately. I don't like that, but that's the way it is. And if we keep screwing around on uh, on this, it, we're going to lose control, and we won't even get the investigations that we so desperately need. You know what uh, Hakeem Jeffries called those investigations that we want? He called them inc- unconscionable, outrageous and unconscionable. Investigative oversight, that's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what this. So, all right, we, we, uh, Bridget, I'm telling you, your passion in this case is misdirected. We got to just enough talk. We got to get to work. I appreciate it, though. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's pretty wild. The uh, They're changing the names of all these bases. Fort Bragg becomes Fort. Uh, I don't know what the hell it's going to become. Fort Benning, they're losing their name. Name for some person of color you never heard of. I'm sorry, but they, they've chose they've chosen a particularly obscure group of people. Some of them are going to be renamed for uh, people of color. Others, uh, white people. Some of the white people I have heard of, there's going to be a Fort Eisenhower somewhere. I guess we don't have one now. But somehow the J. Edgar Hoover building has all we know about him and all the weird stuff he's did. Like, send a letter to Martin Luther King designed to make him so distraught, so depressed that he would uh, jump in front of a train. Uh, it's still the J. Edgar Hoover building. How about that one? All right, I got to go across the street, get ready for the uh, the nighttime gig. In the meantime, some of you have been on hold for a long time. I got to go through this quick. Glenn in Hillside, New Jersey. Yeah, Greg. Uh, you know, there's a lot of rancor between uh, Democrats and Republicans, and even within the Republican Party. Yeah, Mitch McConnell being a good example. I think uh, Donald Trump alluded to something that uh, you know, uh, uh, that may have merit for discussion. He wanted to uh, suspend the uh, Constitution. Why not uh, that 246-year uh, uh, experiment? Yeah, no, 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 he did not. Have... He, Glenn, you're wrong. You're, you're wrong. You're wrong about what he said and how he said it. And you're wrong. And I, I, I sense you're playing a game, so uh, I'll see you later. Ben in uh, Long Island, how are you? Very good, uh, Greg. You're the you are really a breath of fresh air. But I want you to read the debate between William Buckley and James Baldwin back in the day. Yeah, it's it's very enlightening, and you'll find out a lot of things. Is it on video? Uh, I don't know if it's on video, but it is on I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. You know, there's that famous debate between uh, Bill Buckley and Gore Vidal. That was something to watch. They even made a movie about it. That intrigues me, Ben. I will check it out. Many thanks. Uh, who? Oh, wait. Why did all these numbers just go to 10 seconds all of a sudden? I can't tell who's been around for 10 seconds and who's been around for 100 minutes. 
Uh, Gordon, I think, was around for a long time. Gordon, yes. Hey, Greg, thank you. Uh, real quick, um, one, I'm getting very <laughs> disappointed in a lot of the coverage on ABC here where, you know, it seems like everyone's, like, deserting Trump. I don't think his followers are deserting him, but that's another issue. What I really wanted to ask you about is if you're familiar with this um, Supreme Court case, a gentleman by the name of Brunson from Utah has filed suit that's actually made it to the docket of the Supreme Court scheduled for conference on December 22nd, and he's filed suit against Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, the DNC, um, all sitting members of Congress for failing to investigate the credible um, complaints of fraud that that happened during the 2020 election. Gordon, and, uh, this is why I love you guys. Standing? I love it. I love. Look, I have not heard about this case. I will check it out. Tonight on my show, uh, Brunson, Brunson, De- December 22nd, it comes up. Uh, I'm like, I'm liking what you're telling me. Uh, I will have a guy tonight who successfully sued the state of Pennsylvania um, and had a victory, but the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled against him. He's the guy who said mail-in, vote, mail-in voting in Pennsylvania is unconstitutional, according to the Pennsylvania State Constitution. Seems like an open-and-shut case to me. He'll be on tonight. I'm hoping his case makes it to the Supreme Court. I will check it out. Brunson, I wrote it down. Thank you. Uh, Gail in Staten Island. Hi, Greg. You know, I was listening to your segment before when you were talking about Amy Rohrbeck. You remember when she was caught on the hot mic talking to her colleagues? About about, about Epstein, caught? about Epstein. Yeah, yeah. I found her to be very right. self-serving and lazy when she was uh, saying that. I would not – I take that all with a big grain of salt. I'm not sure about – I don't know if I believe her. I think she's uh, not much of a journalist, and I found her – I found her demeanor uh, offensive, and I don't – I don't believe her. So um, there, there. Sorry. I know what you're talking about. I just don't give it a lot of credence. What else? Another point. Um, when you were talking about Gary Hart, you remember the name of the boat? Yeah, monkey yeah, business? monkey business. Did you hear? I tried to, I stumped that woman who voted for uh, Nixon in 1972. Monkey business, of course. I wonder if that boat is still in circulation, if it's still floating. Um, yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Thank you, Gail, very much. Great points. All right. Finally, finally, Alfred and Yonkers. Yes, sir. Hey, Greg. Pleasure to talk to you again. Um, I, I think you're great. I think you make a great mayor. Your father was a great police commissioner. And I'm a Trump guy, and nobody's going to change my mind about that. All right. And don't let Sid and, uh, and that morning show change your mind either. I love those guys, but something tells me they're getting a little wobbly on Trump. I keep hearing it from you guys. Uh, I appreciate it very, very much. I will see you tonight on the Newsmax Show. Remember, the book is available wherever books are sold. If I make this book sell, I'm the next O'Reilly, so help me out. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.